Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Bucks Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling. Hey, Bruce, the idea of, of New Orleans trying to get three wins against one team in the same season, you've done that. Uh, you've been on the other side of it, trying to do that uh, twice as an assistant. I just want to ask you what that challenge is like on their side and how much that third game can be different from the first two in your experience. Yeah, I think it depends when you play them. You know, if it's, if it's September and October, a lot of things change in a season. Um, players are in, players are out injuries of, of all those type of things um uh, the fam- familiarity with the players you know Marshawn Lattimore knows Mike Evans and uh who who's gonna who's gonna win that battle same thing um Tristan Wirfs and Cam Jordan I mean it's, it's all it comes down to one-on-one battles of guys that know each other and who's going to make those game-changing plays in this game? Who's going to make the plays, Luke? Who's going to win the battles? Are you ready for this? Saints, Bucks, Brady, Breeze, round three. Oh, man, I can't wait for this. And even Breeze said after his game against the Bears, he said it was almost inevitable when Brady signed with the Bucks that this was going to happen. Saints, Bucks, three, man. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, aside from, you know, the Bucks side of it and me being on that side of the fence, as a football fan, man, I mean, come on. This is perfect. You know the NFL has got to be salivating over this matchup, oh, right? I mean, they, they that's why they put them on. Yeah, there it is. Go right. Ahead, go you know, that's ahead. why Sorry. they put them on week one. You know, that's why they they wanted this, and they're getting basically the week one setup again in New Orleans um, with these two legends. It could be. I mean, we were just on you know some press conferences with some of the players today. Somebody asked Devin White, like, you have a chance to retire Drew Brees in this game, like. And, of course, his response was, well, I guess I better get a sack and a pick then because I want, you know, <laughs> yeah. if it's going to be his last game, I got I to gotta get that before he retires. But, I mean, just the opportunity to watch, I mean, depending on who you ask, the two best quarterbacks to ever play the game, you know, statistically, obviously, that bears out, I think. But, you know, it's just, it's as a football fan, you have to love these moments. You, you get to see living legends play on the biggest stage. You get to see a, a bitter rivalry with two division opponents that just can't stand each other uh, and, you know, have a high respect for each other. It reminds me of, of a good college rivalry. You know, you have people that, you know, Alabama and Auburn don't like each other. They respect each other, but they hate each other. And it's, that's, that's what makes it fun. Um, and, you know, we talked to Mike Evans today and he had a lot of good things to say about that rivalry and, and how much the players love and relish the ability to, to challenge themselves. And they're, they're all excited for this opportunity to prove that the saints don't have their number to prove that the saints aren't in their heads. Cause right now that's exactly what the, the, the results tell us is that, that those things are true. And the bucks are really looking forward to, uh, to changing some minds this weekend. I think the question that I'm seeing posed all over the place this week, since the Bucks beat Washington on the road in advance, it seems like people feel like the Bucks either prove they belong in the playoffs, Luke. They kind of showed like, hey, yeah, we had a little bit of a hiccup there in the second half of the season, but we're more of that team that you saw in December. Or... Other people are kind of raising concerns that they didn't really beat Washington the way they should, that this uh, Taylor Heineke, everyone on my Twitter feed, Luke, was anointing Heineke into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was just like, he was Aaron Rodgers, he was Russell Wilson, this Heineke. Uh, all, you know, half my Twitter feed are Patriots people living out here in New England, and they're all like, oh, yeah, Belichick's going to get Heineke next year. The Pats are going to be in the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? That was, that was totally my feed the entire game. Freaking Heineke. 
So some people are, are raising questions about, hey, are the Bucks legit? Like they didn't look that great at times against Washington. You could see there was some there was some nerves out there, like a Chris Godwin getting targeted 12 times and only hauling in five catches. Right. He had a couple drops. And I think there was a few players out there that you could see were trying to like fight that you know, fight those jitters off a little bit, maybe. So which one is it you think, Luke? Do you think they proved something or do you think they may have had a shaky game and now there's cause for concern? You know, I, I think, you know, this is kind of a, you know, it's a weak answer, but I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think most things are. Um, it's hard to argue with the people to say, listen, you know, the two weeks before the bye week, you play teams that are actually good in the in the Rams and the Chiefs. You lose 27-24, both of those games, same score. Um, but you, but you couldn't finish, you couldn't finish against good teams. You come out of the bye week you pay, you play four teams that aren't very good and you beat the tar out of them and you're supposed to do that, but it doesn't really move the needle, right? With those people who weren't impressed with the fact that they haven't played well against playoff teams this year. And then you go into Washington. Yeah, it's a playoff game and yeah, it's on the road, but there's no fans. You're playing the only team in the playoffs with a losing record and you still only win by eight points facing basically a third string quarterback. If you count the fact that Dwayne Haskins was there for most of the year. And by the way, if you ask any Bucks fan, we all saw that coming. We knew. <laughs> like there is a long-standing tradition of if the the more the lesser known your quarterback is, the better of a day he's going to have if he just magically makes a random start against the Bucks. Doesn't matter who the coaches are. Doesn't matter who the players are. The Bucks just make every unknown quarterback look like a Hall of Famer. So you're welcome, Taylor, for whatever contract you're going to get in the offseason off of what you just did. You earned it, pal. Uh, but it's definitely not the uh, the first time the Bucks have done that. But you know. It's a week-to-week league in the NFL, and that sounds like a cliche, and sure, it probably is, but what happened for the Bucks over those last four weeks and what happened with the Bucks in the two losses to the Rams and the Chiefs and what happened to the Bucks on Washington, I really doubt any of that is really going to matter when the ball hits the, 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 the turf for the first time Sunday Sunday night. And Devin White kind of put it in those terms for us today. He he said that, you know, yeah, they beat us five times in a row. Yeah, we you know, they swept us in the regular season, but like we're also not the same team. Neither of us are the same team. Certain players aren't in the lineup, certain players are. We've grown on offense in those last four weeks and built a rhythm. They're they're you know, we know each other to a certain degree, but there are going to be new wrinkles. There are going to be things that are different, and none of that will matter when we actually start playing this game. And if we execute better than they do for 60 minutes and win this game, that's all that matters. So I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I think we can obviously, you know, beat every every horse until it's dead in this conversation, right? Sure. But at the end of the day, you know, the Bucks just have to go out and play better football. If you look at those two games, they had three turnovers in each of those two games against the, the Saints. They had no turnovers in those last four games in December. Um, so, you know, penalties, turnovers, if they don't beat themselves, they are talented enough to beat a very, very good Saints team that has, you know, a, a clear identity on both sides of the ball. They have great coaching, great players. They know what to, to, how to get the best out of those guys. It's going to be a dogfight if the Bucks don't beat themselves. If they do, Obviously, we've seen they can get beat thirty-eight to three in their own stadium on, on national television. So, yep. the Bucks are the, the the pressure is on the Bucks to deliver and live up to their talent, but the, there's some pressure on the Saints to to not make those two regular season wins meaningless by losing the one that matters. Now I'm going to play the role of Homer a little bit here, Luke, because I know you're just, you're too intelligent. You're going to give the right answer. You're not going to play the Homer card too much, but I'm going to play it here because I think it's more, they prove they belong. They do. Now people giving the Bucks crap for playing a weak opponent 
Well, you got to give the Bucks some credit for being the five seed. They earned that. They earned the chance to play Washington, right? We talked about it all year. Hey, if you're not going to win your division, you might as well be the five seed. That's not a bad place to be. So the Bucks earned their spot, and they beat Washington. And you know what? I thought they handled themselves pretty well. Now, clearly, some guys were playing in their first playoff game, and it wasn't pretty all the way around. But I think Brady played a great game, right? I think he did. Brady was good. He was really good. And he was not phased at all. You know what? I kept forgetting that Jack Del freaking Rio is the defensive coordinator over there. I just I keep forgetting that. Right. Brady owns that guy. Brady was so – he looked comfortable against one of the best pass rushes in the, in the league, a pass rush that has made a lot of quarterbacks look pedestrian this year. Brady was fine. Turns out Chase Young, you know, he wanted Tom, right, Luke? We talked about that last week. Chase Young wanted Tom. Turns out he just wanted Tom's jersey to uh, for a memento <laughs> after the game. That's what that was. So, no, I think they, they proved that they belong. They won the game. And now we get to talk about this just unbelievably awesome game against the Saints. And, and, and let's start getting into that. But first of all, before we move on, I was watching your Twitter feed throughout the game, as I usually do, especially when these games are on national TV by themselves. And you, you did not seem happy, Luke, to put it mildly about the defensive game plan or the way Todd Bowles was uh, rolling out the defense against uh, Taylor, quote-unquote, John Elway Heineke as he looked in this ball game. I mean, he's running all over the place, scoring touchdowns, passing for touchdowns. Like, Heineke's looking like, uh, like a real quarterback all of a sudden. And it's this thing that continues to come up with Bowles and the Bucks is just these soft coverage defenses, right? It looked like they put some pressure on Heineke early. He kind of hung in there against it, and then Bowles decided, you know what, we'll back off and see if this kid can beat us. And the kid played pretty well, and he could throw. We've given Bowles a lot of love this year. We haven't criticized him too much, but maybe we should, right? I mean, you can't play it safe too much in the playoffs, right? Sometimes you just got to play to your strength and, and maybe go after uh, a young quarterback with basically no NFL experience. So, you know, what ticked you off the most about the way the Bucks played D in this game? Well, I mean, you, you kind of hit it on the head. And, and one of the things I tweeted, if you remember, was the fact that this team, especially at corner, has been drafted and developed to play press man coverage. Look at those. Again, I, you know, I've been a draft guy longer probably than I've been a Bucks guy, at least as a writer in this industry. I've been scouting prospects for 20 years. And, you know, you draft corners who are tall, physical and and have long arms so that you can play press man not that you not so you can drop them eight yards off the ball and play soft zone and come up and make tackles and, and give away those no you get up in receivers faces you use the size the length the physicality to beat receivers off the line of scrimmage to frustrate them to throw off their timing and that works in tandem with your pass rush because if if that is all disrupted on the outside that gives me an extra half a second to get to the quarterback. It makes him adjust, and it makes my job easier as a pass rusher. That's what the personnel on this defense is built to do. And there have been times where Todd Bowles has shown that he is capable of executing that. And I point to the difference between the first quarter against Green Bay and the next three quarters against Green Bay. They were down 10 nothing at the first. They were getting torched, and they completely flipped things, and they started playing more aggressive, and they didn't give up another point, and they won 38-10 to against the number one, you know, against the best team in the NFC. So when you look at how they, you know, juxtapose that with the way they played New Orleans in week nine, they got beat 38-3. to Yes, because they were turning the ball over. Yes, because you know there were off- the offense wasn't doing things the way they needed to do. But they, they did not make that similar adjustment. They were getting carved up with short passes. They weren't making tackles. And they refused to change that game plan at any point and start playing more press man, getting more physical with those receivers at the line. And the, the game didn't change. They just kept getting beat. So when I look at this matchup, and we've already started to hear – 
you know, little clues from Bruce Arians. He told us, um, you know, that, you know, in watching the Saints Bears game last week that, you know, the Bears played them really well. And he said specifically, except for that one drive that they played a bunch of soft zone and let Drew Brees pick them apart. So, like, they've been leaving breadcrumbs for those of us who have been begging them to play more more two man, which is, you know, man across the board with the two safeties over the top, kind of giving you that that help behind. And there are stats, Jenna Lane from ESPN put out some great numbers about how much Drew Brees struggles against particularly two man coverage with those two safeties over the top and man coverage underneath versus any other coverage. And the, I mean, the numbers are staggering, man. So it just seems like it's all there. seems like it's pretty obvious. Now to that end, I expect, you know, the saints game plan to have some man beaters in there um, to, to counteract that. But for the most part, the Bucks have to do what's obvious, and that means playing a lot of physical man coverage, using their corners in the way that they are supposed to be used uh, with the skill sets that they have, and not allowing Drew Brees to just get quick pass. What, what do we always say about Drew Brees? The same thing about Tom Brady. They get the ball out so quick, and that's what makes it hard for the pass rush. Well, guess what? How do you help that? You you bump and run. You you get physical with receivers. You, you throw off their timing so that Brees has to hold the ball an extra half a second that, that gives time for a really good pass rush, one of the best in the NFL. They don't need much more time to get to him, but they do need that extra half a second, and you can get that if you play defense the way, honestly, I think this defense is built to be played. Coming up next, we'll talk about the line. Vegas is kind of refusing to even budge on the line. They don't even want to pick a side. We'll talk about that. And my favorite question, can it happen again? Can it happen for a third time? Can a team as talented as the Bucks really get manhandled by the Saints three times in a row this season? We'll talk about all that coming up next. But first, some sports betting advice. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, joined by Jeff Clark to break down the NFC Divisional Round game this weekend between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints. The Saints, three-and-a-half-point home favorites, minus 105 odds to win by at least four points. The Bucs getting three-and-a-half points on the road, minus 115 odds for them to cover. Jeff, who are you taking in the battle of Tom Brady and Drew Brees? Give me Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. I'll lay the three and a half. Uh, this is shaping up to be a pros versus Joes game with more of the money coming in on the Saints, but more of the tickets or bets being placed on the Buccaneers. The money column is generally the sharp side. Also, I think the Saints are a more well-rounded team. They uh, Michael Thomas is the reigning offensive player of the year. Alvin Kamara is in the conversation for 2020 offensive player of the year. And their defense, I believe, is more stout than Tampa Bay's. I'm on the other side of that. Give me the bucks with the I think they even they may even win outright plus 140 money line bet. Brady looked great last week against a very good Washington pass rush. Have a little bit easier time against the Saints this week. Give me the bucks. On January 17th, 2021, the two oldest living human beings on planet Earth will battle for the opportunity to play in the NFC Championship, which will probably be in Green Bay against that nice young man, Aaron Rodgers. But for now, it's great Grandpa Drew and the New Orleans Saints versus the Big Bang himself, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
only on history. Oh man, I love that so much, Luke. That was <laughs> so of all. I was like devouring Twitter all weekend, watching all the games, and I got to tell you, by the time the Saints game rolled around on Sunday night, I was exhausted. Like halftime of Saints Bears, I was exhausted watching all the Nickelodeon crap of my Twitter. And uh, one of my favorite tweets was that okay, they're, they simulcasted the uh, Saints Bears game on Nickelodeon, so they're going to have to do the Bucks Saints game on the History Channel. And I thought that was hilarious. And then Frank Caliendo comes out with that thing. Uh, man, I, I don't th- I don't know how you can listen to that without laughing. That's so good. Oh, it was fabulous. I as soon as I got it, I, I took it to my wife and I was like, "You got to check this out." Yeah, yeah, she was just too. in pure disbelief. She was just like, "How is that not Morgan Freeman?" I was like, "I'm telling you, man, that's, so good. He's just he's just that good. That's just I mean." And I think my favorite part about it was before you even had the trailer, right? It was just the photo that went around and Tom Brady tweeted it out. And then Drew Brees quote tweets it. I mean, the fact that they're both having a lot of fun with this. I mean, that's just, that's what it's all about, right? It's sports. It's supposed to be fun. It's entertainment. I love the fact that they're enjoying it. And uh, again, technology being the way it is. Uh, watching that all come together and we can all have a good laugh about it. It's, it's priceless. Yeah, we got to we gotta relish this moment. Breeze, Brady, as we said, possibly the final time we'll see these two line up against one another. I mean, it's just so good. And as I said before the break there, Vegas just doesn't want to pick a side, Luke. They're scared of this game. They got Saints minus three. Now, typically for sports books, you will put three points on the home team. So you get three points. So this line opened at Saints minus three. It hasn't budged. So my guess is they're getting money on both sides. It tells me that in the public's eye, it's kind of a coin flip. Nobody really knows what's coming. And when I ask that question, will it happen again? Will the Saints really manhandle a team as talented and good as the Bucks for a third straight time? Will we see 38-3? to I have to believe that's not going to be the case. I have to believe that this is going to be a dogfight for four quarters and it's going to be anybody's game in the fourth quarter and you know hopefully the ball's in Brady's hands with a chance to win or something like that you know what I mean like I have to believe that's the thing if the Bucks go out there and get manhandled once again by this team I'll be stunned you know I tell you what you, you told me I was trying to you know avoid the homer card earlier. I'll play, I'll play it now yeah I'll play it now because this is where my cynicism <laughs> As a, as a longtime fan of this team, like I will believe it when I see it. Okay. I think it is absolutely possible that that it could happen again. I just when when these kinds of things happen, um, you have to go out and prove that it's that things are different, right? So, I mean, I, I on paper I understand why people can think you know the Bucks have a chance, the Bucks are talented enough to do this. You know, it's really hard to beat a three a team three times in the same year and all that stuff. I get all that. That all makes sense to my brain. <laughs> but my heart has been hardened and I, it has been broken too many times by a team that, you know, it, even with with all the planets aligning and all the things working out in your favor. Sometimes it just they, they've proven they can't do that. Now, what I will say is I've said that a lot this season and I have been proven wrong enough times for me to just have. A little bit of a little bit of hope, a little bit of you know that that scene from uh, from the Avengers movies where Hawkeye is just like, "Don't do that! Don't don't give me hope." <laughs> yep, that's kind of how I feel when I think about this game. Is that you know it feels completely plausible to me that they could go out and just still you know either whether it's psychological or, or schematic or whatever, the Saints just have their number and they just can't get over the hump. But what I've seen is I've been proven wrong enough times and I've seen the development of this team over the second half of the season and seen them improve and finally start to click on offense and really get in a rhythm. Um, they're probably as healthy as any team could hope to be going in this game at this point in the season. Um, you know, they are capable 
of winning this game. Absolutely. They are talented enough. Somebody asked Mike Evans today in his press conference whether or not, you know, they could, they, whether or not everybody in that locker room believed that they could win this game. And Mike was obviously insulted. I mean, he was just like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, of course we can win this game. We know we can. We're, we wouldn't show up if we didn't think so. So um, I would love to see it, man. I, I will be pleasantly surprised if they are able to get the job done because just the Saints are just such a well-oiled machine in general. Um, I do think there's a blueprint to beat them. I just I haven't seen the Bucks execute it yet, so I'll have to believe it when I see it. Um, there were some red, bre- some breadcrumbs left there by the Bears and the way they played them, especially on defense, uh, that I think they can they can pick up on. Um, but again, I'd love to be pleasantly surprised and be talking about uh, an NFC Championship game that, again, if the Packers get upset, would be in Tampa Bay a week before the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, <laughs> which is just, I mean, come on now, right? It's, it's a good time to be a Tampa Bay sports fan. We'll just put it that way. We've been talking about that throughout the season. Uh, I'm not, I don't blame you one bit, Luke. The Saints are kind of a scary little team and you know what you talk about the breadcrumbs I wouldn't put it past Sean Payton that he was kind of dinking around with the Bears in that game kind of holding his cards a little bit messing with the Bucks, messing with the Bears you know what I mean like um there's some weird if anybody stuff. would do it yeah. he would yeah. I agree with that and there's some weird stuff in that game like force feeding Deontay Harris he brought in Taysom Hill with no kind of run action at all just had him drop back past what happened the Bears strip sack him so there's some weird things in that ball game there's no doubt about it and it, it was a weird game I would not put it past Sean Payton that he was dinking around but the thing is is with this team week nine has to scare you the way the Saints just completely pantsed the Bucks in their own stadium 38 to 3 like you said earlier I mean that's tough and it is entirely plausible that the Saints are just a terrible matchup for the Bucks, right because the Saints they do match up right they they have the guys that can cover on defense I think their offensive line handles the Bucks better than most teams do I think Drew Brees looks about as comfortable against the Bucks as he does against anybody this year you know what I mean like he's he's just he's looked comfortable so they got to figure out a way to to turn that tide and to to flip that script because yes in these two games the Saints just kind of seem like they're just a good matchup and they kind of can handle the Bucks. So we got to figure out a way to, to flip that. But I guess my question here, Luke, is is the Bucks band, quote unquote, back together or or more together, I should say, than the Saints? Because that was a key topic in this Bears playoff game is the Saints. Well, their band hasn't really been together all year, right? Breeze missed time with the 11 fractured ribs and the collapsed lung, which wasn't that long ago. That guy's a freak. You know, he's a freak of nature. Alvin Kamara was away from the team for 10 freaking days. They activate him the day of the ball game against the Bears. He was away from the team. So, you know, he didn't show many, many signs of rust at all or, or like COVID affected him at all. But, you know, that was weird. He, he, he missed a ball game lately. And Michael Thomas has been on and off the injury report, on and off IR. He missed a bunch of games before the Bears game. So it's like the Saints really haven't had their full complement of weapons together at all this year, really, for, for more than like a handful of quarters, it seems. And maybe the Bucks can capitalize on that piece. I'm trying to talk myself into it. Maybe they could, you know, capitalize on that thing. Like the Saint, maybe the Bucks have their thing together better than the Saints do at the right time. I mean, I I definitely think that there's, you know, you can make that comparison, right? That the Bucks are playing their best football exactly when you want to be playing it. Right? You're not buying it's, it, though. I can when, tell you're not buying it. You don't want to, you know. I just, <laughs> I'm too, I'm too cynical at this point, man. I can't buy it till I see it. If there's any team that I feel like has built a culture that to the point where guys can be interchangeable and guys like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara don't need any sort of acclimation period after they've been off for a little while. I just, the, the saints, I have a, 
a huge, obviously, hatred for them as a Bucks fan, I'm as sure, a rivalry, yes, but yes. a huge respect for them as a football fan and what Sean Payton has done. When people talk about, and I think about teams like the, you know, the Steelers for much of their existence, where they just they understand who they are, they understand who is a Saints player and who is not, and and how to again play to the strengths of their players, put them in positions to do things that you know, seem controversial schematically. I go back to the way they started to use Alvin Kamara after they drafted him. Everybody's like, oh, he didn't even do much at, you know, at Tennessee. What's he, you know, why is he this kind of, you know, why'd you trade up to do this and trade this pick? And what's he going to do? And he becomes one of the most dynamic players in the league because Sean Payton had the guts to, you know, approach the scheme and and what they were going to do with him in a certain way. Same thing with Taysom Hill. So, I just have such a high respect for that franchise and the way they have built their culture and they know exactly who they are. And the Bucks again, are, I mean, nowhere near that, but that you don't have to have that to beat a team like that, but you better be pretty damn good if you're going to overcome it. I think the Bucks are talented enough to do that. I think their coaching staff is capable of putting those players in position to do it. It's just going to, and again, you're going to hear this word all day from everybody. It <laughs> comes down to execution. Yeah on Sundays. And again, you know, something that the players kept talking about is when you bring up the psychological edge, are they in your heads? Do they have your number? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, most of the players, obviously you're not going to admit that, but I agree with them when they say, listen, they're just a really good team. It's nothing special. It's nothing, you know, they don't have all these smoke and mirrors where they're just fooling you into, into certain things. And and they're just really good. They execute their responsibilities they know what they're doing they're confident in their assignments and they just go out and and kick your ass basically like you you have to meet that you have to meet that with a the same level of attention to detail of a commitment to excellence in every single little thing and again if any team can do that it's a guy with number 12 leading the way because that's his whole thing so i think that's the biggest thing for the bucks that from the top down permeates this entire team like i think bucks fans are hoping it will at this point in the season um that might be their trump card that if anybody can get a team to play like that it's tom brady tb12 he's a freaking assassin luke as we were we were texting earlier today that throw to mike evans 35 yards with the rush coming there at that on that late field goal drive to put it up by eight. Oh man I needed ice chips after that thing man i was having hot flashes after that throw oh my i needed <laughs> i needed a shower after that that was that was vintage Awesome. I mean, and let's Great. let real what quick, a, man. What a freaking quick, killer. Yeah, go ahead. Mike Evans, hyperextended knee. We think it's going to be terrible. Then it turns out like, oh, maybe it's day to day. I mean, he talked to us today about how much pain he was in those first few days, how much treatment he was doing. He was going to the TB12 facility and getting treatment there, getting treatment at, you know, the team facility, doing it during practice and just going doing everything he could to be on the field. Obviously, he wasn't 100%. And what does he do? All he does is go out and set the franchise record for playoffs, you know, single-game playoff receiving yards, six for 119, almost 20 yards a catch. Pretty good. And, the, and, they, and they were huge catches, man. So many key moments where he had a big catch that helped them win that game. And on the other side of the ball, you saw the same thing with Levante David, these two leaders, guys that have never played a playoff game for this franchise that have been busting their tails their whole career to get to this point. Levante has nine tackles, has a big third down sack that basically seals the win, you know, made it fourth and 21, I think, at the end of the game there. Just a great, great response from those two guys who finally got a chance to shine on that stage. It was really great to watch. All right. So for everyone hanging on this long uh, on the Bucks Wire podcast, we'll do some offensive lineman talk and we'll, we'll end it there. Uh, so uh, that's for the diehards, Luke, you know, when the offensive line talk. Yeah, so yeah if you stayed this long, you yeah, want to hear about Alex Kappa. 100%. So the Bucks obviously lose right guard Alex Kappa. They bring in Ted Larson. 
that didn't go so well against Washington, right? We'll just put it, put it, we'll put it mildly. That didn't go so well. So uh, Bruce, correct me if I'm wrong, already came out this week and said that Aaron Stinney will start in Kappa's place. How much cause for concern is that? Because obviously the Saints have, you know, won those battles in the trenches the first two we- uh, meetings this year. And now you're down one of your, your, you know, you're down your starting right guard and they're going to have to fill that thing in. So how big of a factor could that be? And also on the on the back end of that, Luke, how big is it getting uh, Devin White back in the middle of that defense? Yeah, I mean, on offense, obviously, I think it's a huge cause for concern. Alex Kappa is kind of an unsung hero on that line. You yeah. hear a lot of people talk about everybody else on that line. But Kappa's really kind of, uh, he's what you call a glue guy, right? He's a guy, you know, I think that's a hockey term. But, you know, guys that hold the team together and, and just kind of go about their business, you know, he plays right guard next to the rookie. So you kind of wonder, Tristan Wirfs has played his butt off all season long as a rookie, hasn't really looked like one. But you do have to wonder how much of that is playing next to a guy like Kappa, who's great with communication, great with helping him out. How much does that impact his performance? So nothing against Aaron Stinney. And, you know, Bruce tried to sugarcoat it a little bit with us today that, you know, He's athletic. I like some things he can do, but basically, he's the best. He's he's it. Like he's what he's, we got. <laughs> he's what we got, man. That's what we're going to go with, and uh, we're just going to have to live with that. So I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of running to the left. <laughs> I think you're going to yeah. see a lot of Rob Gronkowski on that side of the line, motioning into the backfield, maybe to kind of help um, in the run game in particular. Um, but I think that's that's what they're going to have to do because again, at this point, it's the best you got. Um, but, I, you know, on defense, nothing, you know, you can't overstate the presence that Devin White is. Um, he's obviously really excited to get back on the field, um, you know, stayed in shape, did everything he could, said he had assignments from the defensive coaches, you know, to be tracking things and charting things and helping them out, making adjustments at halftime via text uh, and, you know, pointing out some of the things he was seeing. But, you know, I, I think one of the biggest reasons that Taylor Heineke was able to have such a good game is that even when they were in zone coverage, which, again, you, you think about – when a quarterback escapes the pocket and is able to run, usually it's against man, right? Because everybody's got their backs turned. Nobody's accounting for the quarterback and you got a lot of green, but he ran for a lot against zone coverage, which is not a good sign. And that really, I mean, for all, everybody loves Kevin Minter. He's a great leader, great veteran, great special teams guy, very smart guy who knows the scheme. Well, he's played for Todd Bowles and other teams, but he's just not a six foot one, 235, 240 pound guy who can run four, four flat. So, you know, when you don't have that kind of athleticism that Devin White brings to the field, uh, and he's, again, the guy who calls the signals usually, he's just such a big part of that defense that missing him is, is missing a lot. Uh, and for him to be back on the field is just going to be huge for the defense, and yeah. they need it. Yeah, got to need them all. There's, the star power in this game, Luke, is freaking ridiculous, right? Like, you know, obviously we're going to harp on Brady Breeze, but, you know, Cam Jordan, JPP, Marshawn Lattimore, Mike Evans, Godwin, Michael Thomas, Kamara. You, know, you talked about Gronk. Another guy that I would, pr- you know, I think about as I'm r- rattling off these names is Rojo. And maybe we can end with this real quick. I mean, Rojo, uh, that was strange in this game. You don't often see, especially in a playoff game, an active player just chilling on the bench with a puffy jacket and not getting one snap. And it, it sounded like he somehow hurt himself in warm-ups with that quad. But, man, that is weird. You don't see that. Like, every roster spot is so important especially in the playoffs it's like if your guy's active he's probably helping in some way shape or form right special teams he's doing something for the bucks to have rojo active and not play a snap was strange you don't that's but that was bizarre and you're you're actually a little pessimistic about his uh, status right now yeah you know it was a big surprise obviously i i think that you know bruce characterized it to us as something that might have had something to do with the flight 
because uh, it was an injury he was dealing with was a quad contusion, and he thinks that when they got out there for warmups, it it just swelled up on him like a lot to the point where he just couldn't. Bruce called it. He said he couldn't feel it. Feel like he couldn't open up. So like he couldn't, you know, get to the edge and explode, get to the hole and explode, and really make you know something happen with the ball in his hands. And when you're going to be a detriment to your team, you don't want to be on the field, obviously. Um, but it, it did seem like a weird thing that just kind of he was dealing with that injury. It was prepared to play through it. But for whatever reason, and again, the flight might have had something to do with that swelling up on him so bad after that. That's really what contributed to it is, is it flared up on him in warm-ups. So I'm just kind of – I mean, this is Wednesday we're recording this. He didn't practice today. Leonard Fournette had almost 140 total yards in his stead. Not only that, the big thing was that LaShawn McCoy was also out for that game. He had an illness. He was kind of a late scratch on yeah. Friday. Um, so they were down to two backs. It was Fournette and it was the rookie, Keshawn Vaughn. So – the fact that they won't be down to, you know, knock on wood, nothing happens to McCoy. He was back at practice on Wednesday. If they have three backs going into this game, and again, Fournette coming off arguably his best game of the year, you've got Vaughn, you've got McCoy, veteran guy, rookie guy, guys who can do things on all three downs. I wouldn't be surprised unless they see a lot of improvement in his quad injury for Rojo this week. Uh, if they kind of say, you know what, we'll probably be better off. And like you said, if you've got a guy active, he's got to do something. So if, if they're not confident in his ability to be healthy, and they have three backs they can kind of rely on. You need that other body for special teams. You need another mm-hmm. another guy for your coverage units. You need a guy, an extra lineman, in case somebody goes down, especially with Kappa already out. You know, so there's there's a whole different aspect to the team building of that 46 on Sunday that you have to think about if there's a guy that can or can't go. And after what we saw the other night, where he's a late scratch, now you're down to two backs, and you don't have a guy, you know, that, that extra body on the line or on special teams. That's why I'm kind of skeptical that unless he's back. You know, Thursday in a limited capacity and maybe full go for the walkthrough on Friday. I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's inactive for this game. All right, man. So I guess we've been, it feels like we've been kind of building for this moment ever since Brady signed. Right there, at some point, the Bucks are going to have to stand up to the Saints and and just kind of get over that freaking hump. Didn't happen week one when the in the big showdown to kick off the year. Definitely didn't happen week nine. Will it happen this time? Will we come back next week and be talking about the NFC freaking championship game? How sweet would that be? How sweet would that I be? I love it. So, I man. would love it, man. Yeah. Let's put that into same. the universe. Let's, let's manifest that. Yeah, right same. But I think, as I said earlier, nobody knows. Like, the line hasn't moved. It's Saints minus three. There's probably money coming on both sides. Nobody freaking knows, Luke. Nobody knows what's going to happen. That's what makes this a brilliant sport. So we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll be back next week to break it all down. Thanks for joining us on the Bucks Wire podcast. We'll talk to you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.